Well, it's my joy to uh, be able to preach on Senior Adult Day, and we have the best senior adults in the world, and we have a wonderful time. I know on the video there's a lot of eating, and we do eat a lot, but we have some good fellowship. Steve and Keith, thank you for that wonderful music. Uh, good old toe-tapping gospel, and that is good stuff. Today, uh, my sermon topic is an attitude adjustment. And uh, sometimes when you get old, and sometimes when you're young, you have an attitude. I heard the story about, uh, in fact, Tal Bonham out in Oklahoma used to tell the story about Wilbur and Gladys. And they were an older senior adult couple. They're sitting on the sofa one day and they're watching a show on TV. Of course, Wilbur's down on his end, Gladys is down on her end. And they're watching this TV show. All of a sudden on the TV, you know, they're, this couple they're watching, they're sitting very, very close to one another on TV. And Gladys looked over at Wilbur and said, you know, we used to sit like that on the sofa. And so Wilbur kind of comes down and sits by Gladys, and they're sitting close together. Then they look on TV, and sure enough, the couple on TV, he kind of puts his arm around the girl, and Gladys says, Now, Wilbur, back years ago, you used to put your arm around me like that. So Wilbur puts his arm around Gladys. And then, all of a sudden, Gladys says, You know... Years ago, you also used to nibble on my ear. Wilbur gets up and leaves the room. Gladys says, where are you going? He said, I'm going to get my teeth. <laughs> you think about that. Oh, it's hard getting old, I tell you. It is. I was driving down the road about a month ago. And um, I noticed on my car, on the dash, things started disappearing. It's a strange thing. I, I was driving my, my car, and, and uh, the clock just disappeared. A true story. I'm not just preaching now. True story, all right? And uh, anyway, the clock disappeared, and, and then the odometer just disappeared. And uh, things just started disappearing from the dashboard. And so anyway, I, I took my car in, and, and uh, they said, uh, well, we know what the problem is. They said, you just need a software update. So they plugged it in and did the software. They downloaded, uploaded, whatever. They, they did their thing, and sure enough, all these things just reappeared. And then I said, well, I got another problem. The dome light on my car, sometimes it'll come on and sometimes it won't. They said, shrugged their shirt, well, we don't know what the problem is there. You know what the Lord said to me? He said, man, that's just like you. <laughs> you don't really know how many miles you got on your body. And you never know when the light's going to come on or not. And I, I said, yes, Lord, that's me. But you know, there's a joy that we have in the Lord. 
There's a, a joy we have because we know Christ. And to be a senior adult can be the very best time of your life. But I know that there are three areas that we kind of need to work on. One is physical. We've got to stay in shape. Now I can tell you my exercise routine. I get on the treadmill and I watch gun smoke. I do. And man, I, I think if I walk while gun smoke is going on, I mean, I watch, you know, Matt Dillon and Festus and Miss Kitty, and I'm just working away, walking on that treadmill. And then spiritually, we all know that we need to stay fit spiritually. There, there is the Bible, the prayer time, reading a devotional book. We all know that God wants us to stay fit spiritually. But then there's mentally. God, God wants us to have a good mental mind state all the way up until the end. Boy, I tell you, the older I get, the more I forget. And sometimes memory's a problem. I, I heard about a lady that went to the doctor, and the doctor said... Uh, well, ma'am, you're worried too much. You need to think more about the hereafter. She said, I do all the time. Every time I go into a room, I think, what am I hereafter? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Someone said that attitude is one of the most important things we can have in life. I read a def definition of attitude. It says it is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in behavior. And I, I thought how much of our life is dictated by the attitude that determines the way we walk, we talk, and we live. Years ago, my, my grandmother, she had a wonderful attitude. She, she was just such an inspiration to me. Her name was Frances. And uh, Frances Humphreys uh, lived in Oatmogee, Oklahoma. There in that town, she, um, she was just a wonderful woman, had a wonderful attitude. And I remember I loved to go stay with her. And we would watch TV together. And there were two TV shows she loved. She loved General Hospital. That soap opera I could tell you all about, Steve and Audra, Luke and Laura. I mean, I could tell you all about them. She loved General Hospital. And then the second thing she loved, she loved championship wrestling. There, there were some mean guys up there in Tulsa called the Assassins, and they wore masks. And boy, my grandma would get real excited. She'd say, tear the mask off, tear the mask off. But i tell you the greatest thing I remember about my grandmother. I remember going with her to Second Baptist Church. There in Second Baptist Church, I remember the Sunday when she walked down the aisle. I didn't understand it all, but I knew that she'd made a commitment to Christ and it changed her life. And you and I can have a new attitude. We can have an attitude adjustment. We can be all that God wants us to be, not only physically, 
not only spiritually, but also mentally with the mind. Now, I want you to look in your Bible today to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And these verses that we're going to look at today are some of the highest, holiest words that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. Look in your Bible as I read God's Word. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete, being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, what a wonderful passage, what a wonderful text that is. Hawthorne one time said of this passage, it is a Christ gem unparalleled in the New Testament. In other words, it is some of the greatest words penned by the Apostle Paul. The key to the chapter is verse 5. In fact, it may be the key to the whole book of Philippians. In verse number 5 again, it says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. One translation says, Have this mind in you. Paul is saying that, that the very heart of the Christian faith is having the mind and the attitude of Christ in you. And Colossians 1.27 says, It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Man, He lives and reigns in the believer's life. And we need His mind in us. In verses 1 through 4, uh, that provides a description of the mind of Christ. Verses 9 through 11 talks about the climax, the, the end of that mind of Christ, which will result in His exaltation. And so today in my time left, let me share with you how that you can have 
a new attitude. Let me share how that you can have the very mind of Christ in your life. First of all, we must cultivate His compassion. His compassion. Now that's found here in verses 1 through 4. But you know, compassion is something missing in our world today. Well, there, there are just some mean dudes out there. And, and the church and believers, we, we've got to show the love of Christ in a tangible way. We've got to have compassion for others. We find that there is the experience of divine blessings in verse 1. Now, I want you to look back at verse 1. It says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion. The word therefore in chapter 2 verse 1 goes back to chapter 1 verse 27. In chapter 1 verse 27, Paul would say, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. The word worthy there means equal weight. What Paul is saying, he's saying that to live the Christian life means that in a scale you live equally to the measure of the gospel in equal weight. And so Paul goes on here in Philippians 2 and he's saying that we need to, uh, there, there is encouragement in Christ. The word encouragement there is that word also for the Holy Spirit. Because we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, because we have that encouragement in our lives, therefore we need to show compassion to one another. Well, there's also a divine behavior that we find. Look at verses 2 through 4. In verse number 2, Paul says that we ought to have the same mind. There ought to be unity there. There ought to be unity you know, over in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul talked about two people in the church that were not unified. I tell you, we can disagree as Baptists, I know that. Uh, sometimes we disagree about music. Uh, sometimes we disagree about the color of the carpet. We disagree on all kinds of things. But we do have unity in Christ. Verse number 3 says that we ought to have a humility of mind. It's not about us, it's about others. And then in verse number four, there ought to be a sensitivity. I heard Danny Aiken up at Southeastern Seminary say that verse number four ought to be read at every single wedding. Listen to it. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests but also for the interest of others. Well, wouldn't it be great if we lived the Christian life in such a way that it was always about others? It's about somebody else. See, if we're going to have the mind of Christ, if we're going to have a new attitude, we've got to cultivate compassion. We've got to look out for others. Well, let me move on. Number two today, secondly. 
to have a new attitude, we should consider his humility. Boy, one example Christ is of humility. What one example Jesus had. Think about his life and ministry. Think about the time that Jesus took a towel and washed the disciples' feet. Uh, think about all the things that Jesus did, all that he gave up to be the Savior of the world. And we find in verses 5 through 8 again that, that this humility is seen. He demonstrated humility in his renunciation. I want you to look back at verse number 5. Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. And then verse 6. Who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Jesus renounced his rights that he had. He gave up what he could have had to be our Savior. And you know, that's got to be at the heart of you and I having a new mind and new attitude. You and I have all kinds of rights and privileges. But when we give up those rights, when we give up those privileges for somebody else, oh, that, that's the mind and the heart of Christ. We find also in verse number 7, if you look down to verse 7, it says, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. I like what it says in the New American Standard. In the margin of the New American Standard Bible, this word here in verse number 7, the word emptied, means that he laid aside his privilege. He laid it aside. You know, aren't you glad for senior adults who laid aside their privileges and fought in battles overseas? that came back and made the country what it is, and those senior adults that have, have paid the price and they gave their tithe to the church and they, they were faithful and built something through the years, they laid aside their privileges. The Bible says here Jesus became a bond servant. A bond servant. You know, it's kind of hard for you and I to to serve others at times. I, I remember not too long ago I was at a restaurant and, and someone homeless came in. And uh, I'm sitting there and I had my meal and I thought, well, I'll, uh, I'll go give him a little bit of money and he can buy a meal. So I walked over there to him and gave him $5 and I said, now I want you to get in line, I want you to buy your lunch here. And I went back to my seat and I said, Okay, Lord, I've done my job. I've done my duty. The guy got in line, went through the line, bought his meal for $5. Then you know what he did? <laughs> he came over to my table and sat down. Let me tell you what God showed me. He said, It's one thing. It's one thing to give $5 to someone and buy them a meal, but something else to spend time with them. You know, when you look at the life and ministry of Christ, Jesus didn't only minister to people, but he spent time with them. Oh, think about all the meals that he had in homes. 
Why did he do that? He did that because he spent time with people. Jesus became a bond servant. Well, he demonstrated humility most of all in verse number 8, by the cross. Verse number 8 is such a holy verse. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. One commentary said this verse could be translated that he died a cross kind of death. What, what was a cross kind of death? Well, the Bible knowledge commentary says this form of capital punishment was limited to non-Romans and the very worst of criminals. Jesus died a death of a convict, of a criminal. He humbled himself that much. Warren Wearsby one time said in his commentary on Philippians, Humility is not thinking merely or meanly of ourselves. It is just not thinking about ourselves at all. Hmm. You know, we use the word hero a lot these days. Somebody does something and some kind act and they're a hero. But I got news for you, the greatest hero that ever lived is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what he did in his humility all the way to the cross is an example for you and I. So if we're going to have a new attitude, we should consider his humility. Let me move on to my third and last point today. We also find that we should celebrate his exaltation. These may be the, the greatest words that we find here, verses 9 through 11. You know, we, we love to celebrate. Uh, we love to, to get excited when our football team wins. We love to get excited when the basketball team wins. We, we love to celebrate. In fact, around here sometimes we find reasons to celebrate so we can have a party. But you know what? It's, it's something when the people of God celebrate. Well, I love it when God's people come together and they worship because we celebrate the Lord and we celebrate our faith and we celebrate what we have in Christ. I love First Baptist Church of Columbia because we, we celebrate every time we come together. Man, when the choir sings, it, it's a time of celebration. I was walking through here the other day and I, I heard Charlton over here playing the organ. Man, he was getting it fired up over there. Celebration. Well, the people of God need to celebrate the Lord's exaltation. We find here that he has an exalted position. Verse number 9. For this reason also God highly exalted him. That, that phrase, highly exalted, means above and beyond. It means to super exalt. And then it also says there in verse 9 that God bestowed on him the name which is above every name. 
commentaries will disagree what the name is. Probably three possibilities. One commentary may say it's the name Christ or Messiah. Some commentaries say, well, it's the name Yahweh or Jehovah. But if you simply read the Bible in verse 10, it's the name Jesus. Man, that's the name above every name. God exalted him and God gave Jesus a special name. Man, that's why when we preach, we preach in Jesus' name. That's why when we sing, we sing in Jesus' name. That's why the best singing in the world has Jesus in it. Folks, it's all about that wonderful name. Verse number 10 says that he is going to receive exalted adoration. Verse 10 says, So that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee is going to bow. Boy, what a day that's going to be. When Jesus comes in His glory, tongues will confess, knees are going to bow, and then everyone is going to say in confession, according to verse number 11, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't know about you, but i got some folks I'd like to be standing by on that day. When everyone's going to bow and confess, Jesus is Lord. You know, the early church, they understood what it was to bow to Caesar. And some of them were martyred because they refused to do that. Now, I'm, I'm not really a prophet, but I believe a day is coming when the people of God will have to make a choice. Who are you going to bow to? Who are you going to bow to? Well, today we can have a new attitude. We can have an attitude adjustment if we'll cultivate His compassion. Consider his humility, but celebrate in His exaltation. Let me close and conclude today by telling a, a story I, I read last week. There, there's been so much about Paris and about France in recent days. Terrorist attack in Paris, an election coming up soon there in France, I read the story about the Battle of Verdun in World War I. It was the longest battle in history. It went from February the 21st to December the 18th, 1916. The longest battle in history. Also had the most casualties. In 300 in three days, 700,000 casualties.
the French had 377, 231 casualties in that one single battle. The story is told that when the French soldiers after World War I returned to Paris, at the Arch de Triomphe, there were choirs that were there singing. And the choirs there at the Arch of Triumph as the bloody, dirtied troops marched back into Paris. They were asked, What right do you have to enter the city of Paris? The soldiers would say, Because we've been to Verdun. We've been to Verdun. Oh, church, let me tell you. I don't know if this happened or not, but i got to believe that when Jesus, the very Son of God, went back to heaven, perhaps all of heaven stood quiet and the angels of heaven said, What right do you have, Jesus, to enter heaven? And he simply said, Because I've been to Calvary. I've been to Calvary. Folks, because I've been to Calvary, because I've been to the cross, I can have a new life. I can have eternal life. And I can have a new attitude, a new mind, a new heart. Some of you here today, you need to come to the altar and say, Lord, I, I know I'm saved, but I need a new attitude. Some of you need to come today and Rededicate, recommit your life to Christ. There may be some here today that need to join First Baptist Church. We'd love to have you. After I pray, we're going to have an invitation time. Father, I thank you today for your word. Lord, I thank you today for the gospel. And Lord, I know because Jesus died, I can have a new attitude. And Father, because he went to Calvary, it's all possible. And now, Father, as the choir sings, as we anticipate, God, what you're going to do, Holy Spirit of God, bless today. Father, move during this invitation time. God, show up and do something today. Lord, we pray for this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. You stand as the choir sings. You come.
Be seated. Richard, thank you 